Hey everyone, I'm Gary and I'm really excited to be interviewing Nadia today. Nadia is the, the Head of People Operations at GitLab. Um, we had an amazing discussion of how they scaled the company from 75 to 750 in three years. And the great thing is it's all been done remotely. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And then we also spoke about just scaling the culture. They call the values and just how they rigorously just vetted employees, measured them, and continuously stayed focused of, on ensuring that everyone is sticking to that because it is the core of the company. So I hope you enjoy it. Um, check out the reading notes. There's a lot of interesting links we, we put forward just around their, their handbook. Um, and if you've got any questions, feel free to comment in the relevant podcast player you're in, and we're going to get back to you with any questions. Thanks a lot. Hope you enjoy it. Cheers. And action. <laughs> oh, awesome. Great to have you on the show, Nadia. We're really excited to find out more about GitLab and um, you're just yourself and how just your stories of scaling this amazing company to just roughly 800 people now. Is that right? Hey, Gary. Yes. Um, we are, I actually checked this morning in our HRIS to get an exact number. We are, we're sitting on 767 hired team members globally right now. Wow. And then how long have you been around there? I started in October 2016. So it, take, it took us about just under three years to scale this much, um, which, is, which is a lot of growth and a lot of scaling in a very short, short period From of time. From what number? What was the number? How many people in the company when you started? I was number 75, so tiny company, very intimate in terms of getting to know everyone. Our daily calls at that point, um, we call them, we used to call them company calls, were very much spent on social updates. People's kids, significant others, pets, um, you know, just showing up and, and saying hello and, and a really cool experience to, to start that early on. And, and Tommy, um, and you mentioned how many people were at the beginning, about 75, is that right? Eh? Yeah, so it was started by five, by, well, two co-founders and eventually five people got it off the ground initially. Um, and that grew, grew to 75 when I joined. And, um, and the decision to stay remote, I mean, with that kind of scale, I mean, was it all, has it always been remote or was, it, was there a certain time or moment when everyone decided, you know, let's, let's flip the switch? Yeah, it was always remote. Um, and I think that early day decision was, it was five different people one or two in the Netherlands, one in Ukraine, one in the U.S., literally spread all over the globe. Um, and at that, at that time, they decided to, to keep it remote. So it's been yeah. a decision and a no-brainer decision for the, the co-founder and our now CEO, uh, Sid, from the start. I think the biggest reason for staying remote is just not ever having, you know, the cost of renting or buying a building. Um, and if we say all remote, we really mean it. We have no offices anywhere in the world, including in San Francisco. Our CEO works from home. Um, so it's, it's fully um, and, and, and more specifically all remote. That's incredible. I, and um, I mean, we actually just made the decision when we first started, we've been around, around for about three years now. And I remember our first year was remote. And then we decided last year to go hybrid. So just maybe three days at the office, you know? Um, and then we've realized just, we actually just came off our recent retreats a month ago and we decided the, the office was actually doing more harm than good. You know, we looked at our data and our output and we were twice as productive just being at home um, or wherever we were working, not having to worry about traffic, um, not having to worry about the costs. And, it, and uh, I just, 
I think I think it's I think it's largely due to the nature of the work, I guess, and the people. I mean, what is your what is your I mean, how do you find the hiring and recruiting process with with remote working? Do you know? Do you think it's for everyone? Yeah, I think um, I think if you if you all remote, you're in a better in a better place than partly remote because in partly remote, you know, you can make decisions around the water station or in a boardroom. And so I think we're, we have an advantage of being all remote. Yeah. Um, and if we're going to do it this way, we do all our interviews on video. If someone's really struggling with video or their, um, their camera doesn't work on their, on their computer or laptop, um, we, we ask them in one of the interviews, if they can make that work, borrow, yeah. you know, and, and if they join, we'd happily supply um, the necessary equipment that they need. But we encourage everyone to do like face-to-face -face video calls. Um, we do also have what you call retreats. In our instance, we call them contribute, similar to a summit. It's really an online conference, but just really getting together every nine months. Um, I can see our our contribute team kicking off the event soon. So the planning will start now for our next event. We just came back from one in May. Um, but yeah, hiring, it's, it's very interesting how much you can do on just video. Exactly. Um, yeah, we, we're very focused on values during our interviewing and hiring. So I think that's helped the company a lot to scale this this quickly and stick to values and stick to all remote. Um, that's incredible. And tell me, what have you learned through the you know the process about just uh, just obviously the distributed teams and and rolling that out? I think the biggest thing for me is writing things down, even like um, non-official communication. If you're sitting in a call and not documenting what the outcome or decision was. You're gonna have that same agenda item pick up week after week um, and have the same discussion and, and just not get anywhere. So I think just documenting your more casual conversations in calls. I'm not talking about coffee chats, I'm talking about meetings and, yeah. and, and having like four or five people giving input on a particular topic. Um, I don't know if you've come across our handbook. It's yeah. vast, it's got a lot of information. Um, it's been so helpful in just figuring figuring out a process, figuring out what someone else has you know been been up to and what they're doing, and and how that and how that can benefit our team, for instance, here in people operations. Um, so something small, for instance, if you come if you're a newcomer to our team in people ops at GitLab, you can very quickly get up to speed by just reading. Um, so that initial sort of shock of coming into a new environment is taken away because if you need to know how to figure out what probation periods we have or globally or um, how our unpaid leave, I mean, our um, unlimited leave days work and how our unlimited time off works. It's, you could literally find that in our handbook very, very easily. Um, so yeah, I think that's been game changing to me. Um, and I think plugging, plugging GitLab into my life. So if you're working for any remote company, I think it's so important to not try and take your life and adapt to the company you're working for, but doing it the other way around um, and making sure that your hobbies and interests and things just continue outside of work and that Incredible. it doesn't just become, become a work environment. Um, so I think differentiating, like even things like work hours, I intentionally set work hours now and, and we encourage everyone globally to do that. And that stops, stops individuals that maybe forgot what time zone you're in by scheduling something at your 8 p.m. and, and yeah. saying no to those meetings are, are encouraged and, and it's working out really well. Yeah, that's, um, so that's I, 
I understand from the, especially from the time zone point of view, you know, like when do you switch off when you want to catch up with people on in New York time, you know, so it's quite challenging. And then tell me, I mean, the, um, and then just scaling the culture. I mean, has there been any learnings of that? You know, just um, how do you, how do you actually measure and, and scale the culture? Um, I think, I think it's important to keep using value steering interviews. And yeah. when you see there's misalignment to a particular value at GitLab, that you call it out early on. Yeah. Our hardest value by far is iteration. Um, and we don't call it company culture like other companies. We intentionally yeah. use values as our, in our environment instead of culture. Um, so we look for alignment to values instead of culture. And, and why we do that is because we, we like using the word culture for its true meaning. So mm. all the different cultures at GitLab across the, the globe and having such diversity and a diverse workforce globally. Um, and so looking for that early on misalignment and alignment to values. Iteration is by far the hardest one to get used to in this environment, especially yeah. if you're an engineer not not used to I'm not used to shipping features fast and working in a different area at GitLab. So I think iteration is one that we always look at very carefully and making sure someone understands, like, we're not looking for this finished, like, polished product. We're looking for, like, you know, an idea, getting that done, moving on to the, to the next idea on top of that. And the things can change as we, as we continue to grow. Um, if you look at our handbook, like something I want to call out, we, we've had feedback in some of our interviews that said, like, could it be cult-like? Like, you have this handbook telling you what to yeah. do. It's a guidebook, you know, and it's grown so much. It keeps evolving. And that, that shows the iteration that, that, we, that we have at GitLab and how things constantly change and evolve and how nothing really stays the same. Um, so I think, yeah, those are the things that, um, that we look for, for during uh, interviews and hiring. If it's misalignment to values, we call it out and, and you know, we end the conversation. Yeah. Uh, and it's hard to do that, especially if you find this very niche skill or someone that you've been looking for for a long time and, and you're struggling to fill a position. Yeah. But um, sticking to, to values hiring versus like just bums and seats has definitely been game changing. That's incredible. I guess I think the challenge is obviously, you know, I think maybe traditional companies always seeing people that they need to be face to face. Whereas obviously scaling culture, you know, you're obviously on, on your having face to face meetings, but by video, you know, and I mean, have you got any examples of how calling that out, you know, and just uh, with a visit with the video call? Yeah, I do have an example, a, a tough one. Mm. I interviewed someone um, in Canada once and uh, sorry, in the US once and he, he called something out about Canada and how the British, how he struggled. Like I asked him to give you an example of where he struggled with a different culture. And this particular individual said something about the British influence in Canada and how it really misaligns to him and he's really struggling with it. And when I tried to take the conversation further, I just realized it was like complete misalignment to being inclusive of different cultures and, yes. and, and being non-political when it comes to work. So we don't really talk about politics at, at GitLab at all, which yeah. has also been really, really helpful. There's always ongoing discussions as to why we don't do that. Um, but when you pick up something in a call where you can see someone's going to struggle to work with individuals from 55 different countries or more, um, calling that out and, and digging more and asking more questions can quickly lead you to, to realizing this isn't actually going to work out for this, this person. Also checking for how, you know, not just how their background has been, but how they perceive themselves in the world and yeah. how, much, how much knowledge there is of working outside of just their location. Um, Incredible. 
Um, it's interesting that you say that you don't call it culture, you call it values. I mean, do you, does the, I get, does the leadership take responsibility of that or who runs and keeps, keeps the, the taps on that? I think it's company-wide at this wow. stage. I have seen individual contributors calling other individual contributors out on a, on a Incredible. topic. Incredible. We encourage doing it one-on-one, -on -one, but sometimes in a Slack conversation where we can see, you know, we can see that there's a discussion around or a, a healthy disagreement about a specific topic and very often is values related. Um, we encourage that one-on-one -on -one call out. So if you want to get feedback, we always encourage it one-on-one. -on -one. Mm. Um, and especially if it's misalignment to the values. Um, but leadership definitely definitely carries it for, for, for their team. So we have a very lean structure in terms of manage, management. So every, for every 10 individual contributors, we have a manager. That's a lean team, which also means you can have very regular one-on-ones and keep a tab on values alignment or misalignment and okay. call it out early on and not let it sort of you know, carry on and, and become something bigger. So it's very bottom up, I guess. It's not top down. Yeah. 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 Very bottom up. It's, that's amazing. I mean, wow. Well, I mean, to, just to like wrap up a bit, I know we've gone over 15 minutes, 20 minutes, but how do you spend your day on average? Um, so I am an average sportswoman. I absolutely love being outside. So when I drop the kids off at school, regardless of what time that, that could be at eight, when I'm done with dropping them, I would, probably get outside mountain biking or running or, or get in the gym. Um, I pick my kids up from school myself. So after a usually a really nice and busy productive morning, I would pick them up myself as well. And um, that's just also a lifestyle working remotely and being able to do that or watching Terrible. a quick game of tennis or golf or whatever the kids are up to. Um, my mornings are usually spent in merch requests. We dog food a lot. So using our own product, um, sometimes interviewing for our team. If we, if we have a need to scale our specific team, I'd, I don't do as much interviewing anymore, um, but just working on, on various um, projects. My, my current um, key thing is onboarding. So my team runs onboarding and offboarding at GitLab. So we, we want to take it to the next level. So not just train stopping and just maintaining to more creating an experience. Um, so I'm working a lot on, on that and some, some interesting things around international expansion. Um, and I, I usually try and end my day at around five. If I end it the latest at six, I think that's still okay. But I've, because I said working hours, I think it's worked out really well. That's incredible. It's hard to keep that balance, I guess, with the remote and with kids. You know, I've also got a, a similar challenge. They get home and there's this, this balance between, you know, spending time with them and catch up with their work. And I find the more you block off your day, the more focused you are on spending time on work, but then also spending time on them, you know. You know, you've, if you've got your feet in both, you're never doing things properly, you know? So it's always a, yeah. it's a bit of a balancing act. Um, and any favorite reading, uh, any favorite reading material that you're reading lately? It's inspiring. Yeah, so I, I actually just ordered two books and they arrived yesterday from Take A Lot. Uh, I ordered 90 Days, um, which is encouraged on our leadership. Um, we have Say that again, sorry, I, I, I interrupted. It's called The First 90 Days by Michael Watkins. Have you got it there? Sure. Uh, yes, I've got it. Woo! Really okay. excited about this one. It was, uh, I asked our leadership team, what would they encourage right now? I've just moved into a management position two months ago at GitLab. I was an individual contributor for a while. Yeah. Um, and then the next one is Crucial Conversations. So really excited to get started on both. Um, 
and then we have, as I mentioned, we have an entire sort of guide as to what's next, what other books do they encourage us to read, and what else is coming up new that we should keep our eye on. Brilliant. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, we've actually just released this new um, feature within High Five. It's called uh, Pulses, where you get ongoing feedback. It's at these Pirelli pulses you're doing. And one of our most used recently is called the, the 90 Day Pulse. So it literally sends out a pulse when someone's worked at the company for 90 days. And everyone can give feedback to the person, and that person can give feedback. So you've got the quick ongoing data, you know, so you don't have to think about it, um, which is quite exciting for, I think, a lot of managers. They get a, a quick update without having meetings or getting people to fill in forms. So it's quite, quite exciting for that. And the 90 days is the most crucial when onboarding people. You, know, you can't, um, once, they're, once they've gone past those 90 days, it's, they're going to be there forever or you want to try to keep them there as much as possible. And, you know, that affects the culture, for the, the, all the values, I guess, for the, for the company. So it's, it's so, so crucial yeah. to make sure it works, you know. Um, it sounds like a good replacement for that if you have 360 reviews um, biannually. That sounds like a good replacement to keep that 90 days in place um, and, yeah. and having that pulse then. Because yeah. by the time the next 360 review um, comes, maybe that early, early information that's necessary or early feedback has been sort of forgotten or missed already. Um, exactly. So yeah. And we've seen as well, I mean, with the future of work, I mean, the average person, I mean, they're looking at their phone 150 times a day, you know, and they're so caught up with everything on an ongoing basis. So expect them to stay focused and to give accurate feedback once or twice a year is not enough, you know, especially, you know, with the up and coming workforce, they need continuous feedback because um, they want to actually improve. You know, a lot of leadership think, they maybe don't, but they really want that ongoing feedback to know what to do, to keep doing more of, and, and to know what to do to do less of. You know? um, so it's, yeah, it's exciting to see how you know, this future of work and how it's unfolding. It's, we're really excited. I think this remote topic is coming up more and more. I think and what we've seen, obviously, overseas, it's a, it's a normal thing, um, but I think most of South Africa is actually struggling with it right now, you know, to adapt to it. And there's a massive opportunity that's, that's missed, you know. So, um, yeah. People and, are still um, surprised yeah, when, when they hear I work all remotely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, I mean, we're um, in Cape Town today and we've got probably the storm of the century this week. And my heart goes out to everyone sitting in traffic. Must be terrible. <laughs> but um, any and any and your favorite productivity software that you use every day? We dog food a lot, so I I love using our own products. So mm. it's also quite empowering to create merge requests and using Git and um how could, uh, make changes yourself and not having an engineer to make them for you. I've learned so much about like creating tables and markdown and things that I, I thought would be really difficult and getting used to that has been incredible. Um, so wait, I wait, stop, st stop there. Wait, you yeah. said you, uh, saying you're, you're um, the manager and people operations, is that right? Yeah? That's correct. But yes. you get into code. Um, I don't get into, into code as such. So okay. there's a few bash commands that we use when we use our local terminals. Um, our web IDE product is so nice for non-engineers that you don't need to be an engineer to use it. Uh, it looks like Markdown, um, and so there's a there's a couple of things you need to learn on, like how to link a document and those basic things that's important. Just the basics, yeah. On the, yeah, on the back end of a, a website or a handbook, like we call it. Um, and so it's just it's highly encouraged to to use Git and use GitLab. Mm. Um, and so I use that daily. Uh, all our all our people operations issues are in its own issue tracker, and we use our own product for onboarding as well. 
So every time we iterate on onboarding, you would literally make a, ch a change to the template um, yeah. and, and merge that and, and continuously iterate on that and making it better. Um, Incredible, yeah. Yeah, I'm still old school. I use a lot of my, my own calendar to block time and to have dedicated um, things to focus on. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and my one-on-one -on -one agenda with my, my direct um, manager, um, Carol, who's our director of people operations globally, I use that as a good guideline and a, and a good pulse check to see like where am I at, you know, what is still like priority for her and for me on that agenda and, and keep pushing that back into, into my schedule. Brilliant, yeah. Well, uh, thanks a lot for your time. Any place that the audience can reach out to you on? Whether Twitter or uh, LinkedIn? Yes. yes, I'm on Twitter. I'm trying to think what my Twitter name is. I think it's uh, NADBATS, so at NADBATS. Um, yeah. And on, I'm on LinkedIn, just Nadia Vatsalidis. Uh, I do have uh, one of those fun links, so you can just use my name. You'll find me easily. Um, if you want my email address, if anyone wants to reach out to chat about remote work, uh, happy to share it. It's nadia.gitlab.com. Cool. Thanks a lot for your time today. I really appreciate it. Cool. Uh, Thank give you us a high five. Yeah, I will high do. High five. Whoa. Yeah. Cool. High five.